quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Could impeachment be the Grinch that steals Christmas? The lead starts right now. Breaking just minutes ago, new testimony released in the impeachment probe. A State Department official who worked directly on Ukraine issues talking about Rudy Giuliani's continuing campaign of, quote, lies. Also breaking today, the spotlight now on Vice President Pence and what he knew as a top aide to Pence who was on the Ukraine call just finished testifying in the impeachment inquiry. Plus, our focus today. Harsh words echoing around the world. The French president blaming President Trump for causing NATO to go brain dead. What might Putin be thinking right now? This is CNN Breaking News. And welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with this breaking news. A new transcript released just minutes ago from the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry into President Trump. George Kent the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State who oversees U.S. policy on Ukraine at the State Department, providing even more corroboration that those working on foreign policy regarding Ukraine had been told by U.S. Ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland, that President Trump, quote, wanted nothing less than Ukrainian President Zelensky to go to the microphone and say, investigations, Biden and Clinton. Kent also referring to the, quote, snake pits of corrupt Ukrainian prosecutors who worked with Rudy Giuliani, who then would carry on a, quote, campaign for several months full of lies and incorrect information about U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Masha Yovanovitch. Kent also testifying that it was wrong of the president's lawyer, Giuliani, to conduct this shadow foreign policy, that Giuliani's efforts undermined U.S. policy in Ukraine and, quote, After Giuliani attacked me, as well as Ambassador Yovanovitch and the entire embassy in his late May interview, I was told by a senior State Department official to keep my head down and lower my profile in Ukraine. The testimony is nearly 400 pages long. One of the dynamics that comes out comes out clearly the divisions between people on the Trump team pushing Ukraine to announce investigations into the Bidens and those within the U.S. government pushing back because they thought it was wrong and corrupt and ultimately would undermine U.S. national security. CNN's Phil Mattingly is on Capitol Hill for us now. And Phil, uh, George Kent makes very clear in his testimony he was not on board with what he described as President Trump wanting Ukraine to commit publicly to investigating the Bidens. Yeah, not on board, Jake, and so unsettled that on August 16th, he actually drafted a memo memo laying out concerns that there was, quote, an effort to initiate politically motivated prosecutions that were injurious to the rule of law, both in Ukraine and the U.S. What George Kent, a career diplomat, lays out actually jives a lot with what we've seen from other career diplomats. Serious concerns about the administration policy and administration policy that was oftentimes being run ad hoc and from outside of things. He was asked bluntly what was his view on the request or the efforts to get a statement from Ukrainian officials pledging investigations into political rivals of President Trump. He said, quote, 
I do not believe the U.S. should ask other countries to engage in politically associated investigations and prosecutions. The testimony in full, more than 400 pages, lays out a sweeping and kind of systematically almost damning review of the State Department's efforts, of the Trump administration efforts as it comes to Ukraine. But most notably, he goes in depth on the effort to oust Masha Yovanovitch, the Ukrainian ambassador who was eventually removed largely, almost entirely, because of the efforts of individuals outside the department, led by Rudy Giuliani, other officials tied to Rudy Giuliani, including one congressman. He says at one point, in total, they were engaged in an effort to, quote, undermine her standing by claiming she was disloyal. He makes clear in the testimony there was no evidence of the alleged disloyalty or the alleged problems that she had, and yet it still persisted. He also noted that he and others close to him lobbied the State Department, lobbied leaders at the State Department to put out a statement of support, saying that was the only way to help her. It is now known there was no statement of support. Marie Ivanovich was summarily dismissed shortly thereafter. Jake, why this is all important, this paints a picture that we've seen repeatedly over the course of the last couple of weeks as depositions have come out and a picture that in a very short while is going to become public. George Taylor testifies, one of the first people to testify next week on Wednesday, along with William Taylor. You can expect Democrats will be trying to highlight all of these issues and more in that hearing, Jake. That's right. George Kent and Bill Taylor testifying uh, next Wednesday. Thank you so much, Phil Mattingly. Uh, let's discuss. And Jackie, let me start with you because uh, one of the things that really comes across here is that in the eyes of George Kent, Kurt Volker, who the Republicans and the Trump administration have been leaning on, is really an enabler of the Trump policy. And there's this really striking passage. Uh, Kent said that envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, now former envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, uh, he planned to start reaching out. He told uh, Kent he planned to start reaching out to the former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani. When I asked him why, he said that it was clear that the former mayor had influence on the president in terms of the way the president thought of Ukraine. And then Kent goes on to say, when I raised with Kurt, I said, about what? Because former Mayor Giuliani has a track record of, you know, asking for a visa for a corrupt former mm -hmm. prosecutor. He attacked Ambassador Masha Yovanovitch. He's tweeting that the new president uh, of Ukraine needs to investigate Biden in the 26th campa campaign. And Kurt's reaction or response to me at the time was, well, if there's nothing there, what does it matter? And if there is something there, it should be investigated. My response to him, Kent says, was asking another country to investigate a prosecution for political reasons undermines our advocacy of the rule of law. So Kerr Volker was part of this, the three amigos, as they call themselves, of uh, Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU, and Rick Perry, who we haven't heard from. And the three of them were kind of part of this ploy to get the, to get the president of Ukraine to, uh, to execute what the president and Rudy Giuliani wanted, um, to get the president of Ukraine to make a statement that he was going to investigate the Bidens. So, and, and as we've seen throughout these testimonies, Kent's uh, testimony really ver uh, bolsters what we've heard from Taylor mm -hmm. I'm, and what we know from Fiona Hills. We haven't seen her tear transcript yet, but we've seen the first part of her testimony. The narrative has stayed the same unless you're talking about Gordon Sondland, who might be in a little bit of trouble for his testimony. Yeah, yeah and another thing that's interesting, Melanie, is that at no point do we have uh, any of these people who are you know, enabling what Trump and Giuliani are doing, the Sondlands and the Volkers of the world, understanding that maybe there's something wrong or corrupt about what they're doing. It's just, oh, this is what we're going to do. Right, and that's where you're starting to see the split between the Kents of the world, who are these career diplomats, 
who were put there in charge of the Ukraine policy. Keep in mind, this was supposed to be his domain, right. and yet he had to go through these three amigos. He had to go through Rudy Giuliani, who also he testified that Rudy Giuliani had sway over the president's thinking. So the reason why Democrats want him to testify is because he can really illuminate just how backwards the Ukraine policy was being carried out in this administration. He was actually told but, to lay low at one point. Right, low, because, exactly. Yeah, back be, be, Because of Giuliani. And, and Ken, you know, Ken's deputy assistant secretary of state, he's here in Washington. Taylor's over in, in Ukraine and seeing it from that side. But Kent was here and he was in an awful lot of meetings. And for me, what's really striking is we can talk about the three amigos versus the career state people. But he, Kent describes being on the video conference. This has been reported before, I think, but he very explicit. It's very fascinating, incidentally, his testimony. I think, yeah, really, no, definitely. I think in a way the most compelling and maybe the most damning. And listening as the representative of OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, says that Mick Mulvaney, who was both director of OMB and the acting chief of staff, had at the direction of the president, had put a hold on all security assistance to the Ukraine. And they don't get an answer as to why. And they get no answer why. It's not like because the president's really decided we need to have a serious investigation of corruption, and could you go back to the State Department and go and have write a report on what's going on in corruption? But at the direction of the president. So it's not about competing forces within the U.S. government squabbling. It's the president of the United States personally directing Mulvaney to put a hold on the security assistance when the rest of the U.S. government had signed off on it and when it was congressionally appropriated funds. I think that's really going to make it hard for people to say, oh, this is just some bureaucrats fighting. The president no. put, yeah. put the hold on. And, Kareem, one of the things that's very interesting is how concerned Kent is about what this does for the standing and the image of the U.S. in the world standing against these kinds of political uh, prosecutions. At one point, Kent testified about what he said was an awkward part of a conversation. Uh, Ukrainian uh, government official, uh, an aide to Zelensky, meeting uh, with uh, U.S. officials. Special Representative Volker made the point that the Ukrainians had opened their authorities under Zelensky, had opened investigations of former Ukrainian President Poroshenko. He didn't think that was appropriate. And then Zelensky aide Andrew Yermak said, what? You mean the type of investigations you're pushing us to do on Biden and Clinton. Exactly. So I think as, as young people say, Kent has the receipts, right? He came forward, you read this, this uh, transcript, and it's mind-blowing. And basically it lines up what we already know, what everybody's been saying, which is Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani were running their own policy, and not in the interest of the U.S., but in the interest of Donald Trump. And this is what we keep and learning. Rudy and, Rudy, and Rudy Giuliani's <laughs> pocket, right? It was almost like the pseudo-State Department that was happening that Rudy Giuliani was leading. And so it is, it is surprising also that Republicans would want these testimonies to be out because they are devastating yeah. to Donald Trump. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful for what you wish Everyone for. Everyone stick around. we got a lot more to talk about. Also breaking on the Hill, the vice president's top aide, who was on that July 25th phone call, just finished testifying. She said that call was not normal for a very specific reason. Then from an arena to living rooms, an inside look at the strategy to reelect President Trump. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead in the fast moving impeachment inquiry so fast the Democrats could theoretically impeach President Trump as soon as next month. Today on Capitol Hill, Democrats tried to shine a light on Vice President Mike Pence and his potential role in the Ukraine scandal as one of Pence's top national security aides who was listening in on that July 25th Trump-Ukraine phone call and was concerned by it, according to sources. 
Well, she just finished testifying, and CNN's Jessica Schneider joins me now. Jessica, this aide, her name is Jennifer Williams. What did she have to say? What did she reveal today? Right. She revealed quite a bit in about four hours of testimony, and she said that she came away from that July 25th phone call viewing it as unusual because it was political in nature and did not leave the normal tone of a diplomatic call. That's what we're told from sources. And she didn't raise those concerns, but her comments come as there are continuing questions about the vice president and what he knew. For the first time, the spotlight of the impeachment inquiry is on Vice President Mike Pence, his top national security aide, the first from his staff to go behind closed doors and answer lawmakers' questions. Jennifer Williams was one of nearly a dozen officials listening to President Trump's July 25th phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Sources say she was concerned about what transpired on the call, but there's no indication she voiced her concerns to Pence or others. Williams, though, could clarify what the vice president knew about plans to withhold military aid in exchange for Ukraine announcing investigations into the 2016 election and the Bidens, which Pence was asked about today. The president's focus has been, as my focus was in my meetings with President Zelensky, on supporting President Zelensky's efforts to deal with a historic pattern of corruption in Ukraine. As for Trump's call with Zelensky, which clearly shows him asking the Ukrainian leader to look into the Bidens, Pence mimicked the president's talking point. The American people have the transcript of the president's call, and they can see there was no quid pro quo, and the president did nothing wrong. But questions continue about Pence's interactions with the Ukrainian president. On September 1st, Pence replaced President Trump on a trip to Poland, where he held a bilateral meeting with Zelensky. Pence has insisted the two did not discuss an investigation to the Bidens, but has acknowledged military aid and corruption were on the agenda. In all of my discussions uh, with President Zelensky, we focused exclusively on President Zelensky's efforts to, to end corruption, Uh, in Ukraine and also enlist more European support. While Williams was cooperating, former National Security Advisor John Bolton was a no-show on Capitol Hill, despite being invited to testify today. Democrats never issued a subpoena for his appearance, as they have with other witnesses, and Bolton's lawyer previously said he wouldn't testify without one. Meanwhile, House Republicans are lining up a list of witnesses they want at the public hearings next week. Top on that list, the whistleblower. This is the guy who started it all. Uh, We think he should um, sit in front of us under oath, answer our questions, and um, do that in, in person. Now, under the rules, Democrats have the ultimate say on that witness list, and they don't have to accept all the witnesses that Republicans propose, including, of course, the whistleblower. Now, the public phase starts next week, and once the committees complete the evidence gathering portion, it will be compiled and then sent to the Judiciary uh, Committee, which will then decide whether to draft and debate articles of impeachment. And of course, when and if they do, Jake, it would be sent to the House floor for a full vote. I don't think there's much of a mystery as to whether or not they will. Jessica Schneider, uh, thanks so much. Paging Attorney General Bill Barr, the request from President Trump that the Attorney General refuse to carry out, sources say. Stay with us. The politics lead, a source confirming to CNN that President Trump wanted Attorney General Bill Barr to publicly declare that the president did nothing wrong in the Ukraine scandal. A source saying that the president discussed Barr potentially holding a news conference to say that the president broke no laws in his phone call on July 25th when he asked Ukraine's president Zelensky to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden. Now, the president denies this story that he requested Barr to do this, first reported in The Washington Post, but it has been matched again and again by other news outlets. And, of course, we should note the president 
often tells lies. As CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, the Barr news conference that President Trump wanted, it did not happen. But Barr's Justice Department did try to shut down an investigation into the president's phone call with Ukraine. Democrats must be accountable for their hoaxes and for their crimes. President Trump so infuriated by the impeachment inquiry, sources now tell CNN he wanted Attorney General Bill Barr to hold a news conference declaring he did nothing wrong. It's all a hoax. It's a scam. Trump wanted Barr to say publicly he broke no laws when he pushed Ukraine's President Zelensky Mr. President, thank you very much. for an investigation into his political rivals. Though Trump denied the report today, saying Barr did not decline my request to talk about Ukraine, adding the Justice Department already ruled that the call was good. While it's unclear if the two discussed the move directly, Mr. Attorney General, Barr hasn't denied that Trump wanted him to clear his name. It comes as House Democrats are preparing to take their case public. What's going on in Washington, D.C. today is a disgrace. And I think the American people see through it. Republicans are still struggling to coalesce around a defense for the president's actions. And one Trump ally is chalking it up to incompetence. What I can tell you about the Trump policy toward the Ukraine, it was incoherent. It depends on who you talk to. They seem to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo. Another Republican, Senator John Kennedy, going after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in his home state. I don't mean any disrespect, but it must suck to be that dumb. Democrats say comments like that are a sign Republicans are scrambling. So they have to decide whether they want to keep coming up with one new desperate, you know, soundbite after the next or whether they should take their oath of office seriously. Though the president's frustration is clear, his son says he's just being a counterpuncher. My father's got a bear. Now, Jake, Bill Barr may not have held the press conference that the president wanted, but the Justice Department essentially gave him what he did ask for when they issued that statement alongside the release of the transcript saying that criminal division prosecutors had looked at the call, determined the president hadn't done anything wrong, at least as it related to violating campaign finance laws. But one thing to watch over the next few weeks as all of this is playing out is how the attorney general has distanced himself from this whole Ukraine saga. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House, thanks so much. Let's chat about this. And before I do, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, we're only allowed to have you on the panel today. If, if I pr- plug your book here, Moving Forward, A Story of Hope, Hard Work, and the Promise of America. It's about your time uh, in the Obama White House on campaigns before. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on. Of Jim. course, it's great to have you. Now let us turn to our president, <laughs> if, if you don't mind. Um, Moving forward. The president denies this uh, story, but it, it does fit into a pattern. Remember, he wanted Comey to declare publicly that he was not under investigation. He wanted Mueller to yeah. do the same thing. Uh, he got mad that Jeff Sessions, then Attorney General, recused himself. So he does seem to think of national security officials as his own little Praetorian guard. Right. It's the loyalty. They are. Per- it is his personal guards, as you just said. But I have to tell you, it doesn't surprise me that he asked Barr to do this. It actually surprises me that Barr said no, because Barr has certainly behaved as Donald Trump's fixer. He has been the Michael Cohen inside of the White House, inside of the administration. So that is that is actually the question that I have. It's like, what is why? What is going on that Barr is it's actually saying no? Because he mischaracterized exactly. the Mueller report, right? That is a huge thing that he did that 
basically help the president. And we couldn't even go into impeachment, have impeachment conversations in a real way because the, the messaging was gone. It, was, it had left Democrats. But the DOJ has been distancing itself from the White House throughout mm-hmm. this Ukraine sa- saga. Right, if you remember right, during right. Mulvaney's infamous press conference where he said there was no quid pro quo, the DOJ immediately came out and said, well, that's news to us. We don't know about it. So maybe there is a line here for Attorney General William Barr. You know, one of the things that's interesting also um, is the degree to which people are willing to supplicate themselves to the president. Uh, I mean, there is the argument of like, look, this is I don't like this. I need to find out the information, uh, but it's not impeachable. Uh, And then there is some of the things we're hearing from Republican senators who will be jurors. Take a listen. I've written the whole process off. I think this is a bunch of BS. Do you plan on reading these transcripts that were released? No. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is trying to impeach him, but it must suck to be that dumb. First of all, Nancy Pelosi's not dumb. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I mean, these, these are not like very convincing defenses of the president just cursing and insulting people. It's unbelievable. I mean, John Kennedy is, you know, uh, not a little Vanderbilt law graduate, pretty well-educated guy, not a bad senator. I think what a lot of people would have said, kind of as a folksy manner, but a fairly impressive guy. To stand up and say something vulgar and stupid like that, I mean, just to what, to cater to the president, well, to the crowd, it's really, uh, this is the Speaker of the House. If he wants to say she's a terrible speaker, her policies are awful, they're going to ruin the country, fine. But I mean, it is, Trumpism corrupts. You know, my colleague Jonathan Lass wrote this way back in 2016. Trumpism corrupts and, the, and late, ter, late stage Trumpism and totally, you know, abject wish to be in good graces with Trump and Trumpists everywhere really corrupts, well, absolutely. But Kennedy, being sophomore, comes after Rand Paul went to the, the, a similar podium in Kentucky right. and called for a crime, essentially, for the whistleblower to be outed. Uh, and, and this is something he is someone who has advocated for whistleblower protection in the past. So the absolute reversal, turning yourself inside out in order to impress the president, and I, I, I assume just to be close to power, right, and to, and to, and to not have his ire. <laughs> So very quickly, um, Jeff Sessions plans to enter the race. We talked about Sessions a second ago for his old Alabama Senate seat. Um, This is one year after uh, he was fired. Uh, The New York Times Maggie Haberman reporting that Trump has warned Sessions through allies that he would publicly attack him if he ran. Uh, And here's Vice President Pence asked if he will campaign for Sessions in 2020. There is expected to be a, a primary in Alabama. Take a listen. Well, let me say we uh, will let the people of Alabama make that decision. Well, let the people of Alabama make that decision. Not exactly a, Not, a, yeah. a, a strong endorsement. Strong endorsement. For the Hear that train? Right, right, former colleague. Um, you, you know, it, it, this is the this is the thing about this whole Sessions thing, because as you were saying, Donald Trump can just tank this whole thing because he is so upset and angry with Sessions, as you said, for recusing himself. And if that happens, because Sessions, you know, apparently you would know better, is probably the strongest of all in the in the Republican nominee. Probably not. Okay, maybe I not. So. I think that but, is- the, but, Trump, the Trump people don't like him, and the people who aren't so crazy about Trump don't understand why he served Trump. I, I would not bet on Sessions, yeah. okay. whatever it's well, worth. But. but here's the thing. It could hand, o- hand over back the, the Senate seat to Doug Jones, right. if, because if, if Donald Trump gets involved in this in And this Roy race. Moore gets the nomination. Yeah. That's Doug Jones' yeah. Christmas yeah, present. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, thanks so much, everyone. It's an alliance created to prevent World War III from ever happening. But now the leader of America's oldest ally says that the NATO alliance is dying, and guess whom he blames. Stay with us. Our world lead now, NATO, the U.S.-European pact that helped beat back the threat of communism during the Cold War and one that 
came together to defend the United States after the attacks of 9-11. But now French President Emmanuel Macron is saying that NATO is going brain dead. Who's pulling the plug on this once thriving alliance? Well, President Trump, Macron says. Macron says Trump is, quote, turning his back on us. Joining me now to talk about this is Chuck Hagel, former defense secretary under President Obama and a former Republican senator from Nebraska. Senator, good to see you as always. Thanks for being here. So Macron cites, among other issues that NATO is not uniting on, uh, the rise of Russia. Um, It's no secret, obviously, that that Putin would love nothing more than NATO to die. Um, What's your reaction? Well, we've seen this coming, Jake. And uh, President uh, Trump has instigated, uh, I think, uh, more than anyone, and the credibility and trust of the United States is in question, not only by NATO allies, but countries all over the world. I think his latest tweet two weeks ago uh, regarding the Kurds and, and Turkey uh, probably set it in motion uh, in a way we hadn't seen before. But when you lose trust and confidence in institutions— And that's happening here in the United States. It's happening in Western democracies. But this institution in particular, the most important collective security institution in the history of the world, that's done so much for our interests, we wouldn't be able to project power in the world if we not had NATO allies uh, all over the world. So this is a dangerous time, and we all need to sober up because NATO has prevented an awful lot of bad things from happening. Plus, it's not just a defense institution. It's, It's a foreign policy and State Department's involved, too. The, the ministers of, of state and our secretary of state mm-hmm. meets regularly, just like defense ministers and secretary of defense at NATO. So it's more than just collective defense security. It's economic. It's trade. It's statecraft. It's, it's all our interests rolled into one institution. And it's not just that President Trump uh, is suspicious of institutions, which obviously he is, and to a degree he was elected to disrupt mm-hmm. uh, the normal way of things, quote-unquote. But take a listen to, to one of these quotes from Macron. Quote, in my discussions with President Trump, when he says, it's your neighborhood, not mine, when he states publicly the terrorists, the jihadists that are over there, they're European, they're not American. When he says it's their problem, not mine, we must hear what he's saying. He's stating a fact that simply means what was only implicit under NATO until now, I am no longer prepared to pay for and guarantee a security system for them. And so just wake up. And and I think President Trump probably speaks for his base and and a lot of Americans when they think, eh, that's thousands of miles away. What does it matter? So what does it matter? Well, it does matter because there's nothing that goes on in the world today, certainly post-World War II, that does not affect America's interests, whether it's trade, whether it's safety, security, intelligence sharing, so that we don't have another 9-11, whether it's our own security and power projection, any phase of, of our interest is very wrapped up into our partners and our allies and our alliances in that institution. It's one of the best investments this country has ever made in its history. And this nonsense about oh, we've been we've been the ones supporting it, it's a burden for us to lead the world in this role of world leadership we just don't want to do anymore. That's very dangerous because if if the world starts to disintegrate and come apart, uh, what happened in the first 50 years of the 20th century, we better bring all that back up and understand how did that happen. That was a world that just went by itself, every man, every woman for themselves. In this kind of complicated world, Mm -hmm. highly technical, integrated economies everywhere, It's not in our interest to do that. Our interests are everywhere, and certainly in Europe. 
I want to ask you about impeachment as long as I have you here, because in addition to being a former Secretary of Defense, you're a former Republican senator from Nebraska. What do you think when you watch your former colleagues, uh, Republican senators, Republican members of the House, uh, react as they have been to the very credible assertions being made by administration officials, Trump's own officials, uh, that the president, and look, it's, it's in the rough transcript itself, that the president uh, was asking the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden. And according to many accounts uh, by Trump administration officials, he was saying you can only get a White House visit and $400 million in aid if you do this. What do you think? Well, at the risk of uh, a former United States senator responding to what the current senator should be saying or more to the point how they're handling this, uh, my advice would be uh, they listen to the evidence and take the evidence serious because it is serious. In 1998, the, the Clinton problems that eventually led to his impeachment and me and 90 other senators sitting as jurors uh, was, was a different dynamic. It was different charges. This is clear, dangerous abuse of power. And uh, that's, that's serious. And I think our senators, all our senators, need to listen to this very carefully, get the evidence, and, and stop just, just pushing everything back no matter what. Uh, you don't owe your allegiance, you don't owe your office and your trust and your commitment and your integrity to a president or a party. You owe it to the Constitution of the United States. We all take an oath of office. That oath of office is to a Constitution. Not defending a president, not defending a party. Get the facts. The Constitution, our country, is first. Everything else has to be second. Senator Hagel, thanks so much for being here. And uh, had a Veterans Day. Thank you for your service, sir. Vietnam veteran. Still has... Still have shrapnel in your chest, I believe. I, I do, but I've been lucky, Jack, uh, Jake, and I appreciate all the all the courtesies I've had in my life and opportunities because of this country and because of veterans. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it, Jake. Thanks. Coming up, well, that escalated quickly. Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren are feuding in a very public fashion. Stay with us. In our 2020 lead, he suggests that she is an out of touch, smarty pants elitist. She suggests he's basically a Republican who surrounds himself with fat cats. The rivalry between Senator Elizabeth Warren and former Vice President Joe Biden escalating and getting personal, as CNN's Leila Santiago reports for us now. Hello, North Carolina A&T. Campaigning in North Carolina today, no mention of Vice President Joe Biden from Senator Elizabeth Warren, despite a series of swipes between the two front runners. First on the radio. If you don't agree with Elizabeth Warren, you must house somehow be uh, be uh, um, not a Democrat. You must somehow be corrupt. You must not be as smart as she then, at a fundraiser, Biden continuing to paint Warren as an elitist, never mentioning her name, but declaring, Now the people that are running against me tell me I'm naive. One said I should be in the Republican primary. God love her. That's not the way you get things done. She started it, he says. But Biden was responding to what Warren had said when she released her plan to pay for Medicare for all, which Biden's campaign called mathematical gymnastics, sleight of hand and double talk. If Joe Biden doesn't like that, uh, I'm just not sure where he's going. Warren adding Democrats will not win by repeating Republican talking points. If anyone uh, wants to defend keeping those high profits for insurance companies and those high profits 
for drug companies, then I think they're running in the wrong presidential primary. Thank you very much. For Biden, a shift in approach. A source close to Biden's campaign telling CNN it is no longer that she's a liar. It's Warren is a smarty bee britches who thinks if you don't agree with her, you're an idiot. The late CNN poll of polls shows a tight race nationally with Biden at 27 percent and Warren at 23 percent. Warren steadily rising, not the case for Biden, who has made the pitch to voters that he can reach across the aisle to get things done and win over moderates. We are in a time of crisis and Washington insiders and political pundits and even people in our own party don't want to admit it. Warren says that's not enough and pushes for bold, progressive change that is now the focus of sharpened criticism from Biden. It takes a lot more than plans. We're not electing the planner. And here in Raleigh, North Carolina tonight, Senator Warren will be taking the stage. She'll be joined by fellow Democrat of Massachusetts, Representative Ayanna Presley, with her endorsement. Jake. All right, Leila Santiago in the beautiful Tar Heel State. Thank you so much. Earlier today, Vice President Pence officially added the Trump-Pence ticket to the ballot for the New Hampshire primary. And this time around, the Trump camp does not plan on losing the Granite State in the general election. CNN's Jeff Zeleny has this inside look. But to keep America great, New Hampshire, we need four more years of President Donald Trump. And now it's official. President Trump is on the 2020 ballot, with Vice President Pence signing the ceremonial paperwork today for the New Hampshire primary. As a parade of Democrats and even a few long-shot Republicans pass through the first-in-the-nation primary state, Team Trump is taking advantage of its head start. While the president loves his big rallies, the Trump re-election campaign is also going small inside living rooms like this. We're members of the Women for Trump group, right? This is the official gear. They come wearing Trump hats and shirts, women both young and old, with a campaign collecting names of those supporting the president. Who in here is done hearing about the impeachment madness? Anyone? Under fire in Washington, across America, the Trump campaign is focusing on things it can control through intimate organizing events. It gives me hope again in America. Yeah. Regina Barnes has been a Trump fan from day one. The rallies are great, but I think that when he's not in a rally, we need to keep the momentum going. So for the next year, what do you plan to commit to do to elect, re-elect President Trump? Just talk about him all the time. Get the word out. Once you start talking about it, I think it makes people feel a lot more comfortable to be open to talk about it. For Trump, the 2020 battleground begins where the 2016 campaign ended, fighting to defend once blue states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and trying to hold Iowa, Ohio, and Florida. The campaign is also working to expand its map, trying to flip two of its narrowest defeats in Minnesota and here in New Hampshire, where Trump lost to Hillary Clinton by 2,736 votes, or less than 1%.
So we should have won New Hampshire. So far, the Trump campaign and its outside allies are dramatically outspending most Democratic candidates, investing $33 million on Facebook and Google ads, and nearly $8 million on television spots. He's no Mr. Nice Guy, but sometimes it takes a Donald Trump to change Washington. Ronna McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, said Democrats underestimate Trump at their own peril. I think that uh, Democrats don't understand the Trump voter in a lot of ways. It's important to understand why he connects and why they're so engaged with him and will continue to turn out and fight for him. Now, there is no question, Jake, many of those women we met were true Trump believers. That is the point. The campaign trying to find them, identify them and urge them into finding their friends now. They know they have problems in the suburbs across the country. One thing is clear, though, the Trump campaign has a head start on who other Democratic rival may be next year. Jake. Jeff Zeleny in rainy New Hampshire for us. Thank you so much, sir. Connecting the dots in the Roger Stone trial. According to prosecutors, it's getting very close to President Trump. Stay with us. In our politics lead now, prosecutors presenting a line chart in the Roger Stone trial today, showing just how closely tied Stone was to the Trump campaign and to Trump himself in the lead up to the 2016 election, citing dozens of phone calls between the president and his associates, Stone is facing charges of lying to Congress and obstructing justice in the Russia investigation. Joining me now to talk about it, former federal prosecutor uh, Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks so much for being here. Could this trial actually have any implications for President Trump or anyone around him? Potentially. If there's evidence that Donald Trump or someone around him instructed or encouraged Roger Stone to coordinate with WikiLeaks, then theoretically there could be criminal charges for conspiracy to obtain foreign election aid, for conspiracy to obtain stolen property. Problem is that ship has already sailed. Robert Mueller's already packed up his shop and made clear he's not charging those people. But bigger picture, the central theme of the Roger Stone trial really reinforces the central theme of what we're seeing with the Ukraine impeachment inquiry, which is that Donald Trump and people around him were eager and encouraged foreign election interference. Um, and Stone's associate, Randy Credico, who Stone is uh, accused of threatening, I think he threatened his cat or his dog, his dog so, yeah. Yeah, is on the stand right now. Yep. Uh, prosecutors are calling Steve Bannon and Rick Gates to testify on behalf of the prosecution. How, how might those testimonies play out? So Gates and Bannon are, to me, at two ends of the spectrum of cooperators. Rick Gates is your exemplary cooperator. He's come clean. He testified in the Manafort trial. The jury credited him. There was a conviction. He's really the only person in this whole case who's cooperated properly. Bannon, on the other hand, is a real wild card. It's all about credibility. I would think twice and a third time if I was a prosecutor riding my case on someone like Steve Bannon. All right, Alejandro, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.